0: Welcome to episode 8 on the... The Ocho! Yes! You are on the Ocho with another episode of... Oh God, it
1: hurts! Oh God, it hurts!
0: Welcome back, everyone. It is I, Game Agent E.T., along with my good buddy, Six Button Samurai. How are you, good sir?
1: I'm well, Eddie. How are you, my friend? Oh,
0: well... Things have been going smoothly. Uh, we just got back to work. Uh, of course, I work at an elementary school, and things got busy again. So before uh, this week happened, I got a lot of good gaming in and uh, had a nice three weeks off and caught up on having some relaxing time with my Nintendo Switch. Yeah. How about awesome. you, good sir?
1: Uh, Roughly the same you know, um, obviously the Omicron variant is making things, uh, interesting and by interesting, I mean, terrible yeah, Again, yeah. to a certain extent, but yeah. you know, uh, we're navigating it, trying to rock those masks and, you know, get your vaccines or your boosters. If you haven't yet, like just do that shit and uh rock the fuck on
0: i share those sentiments my good sir um to be honest uh it's been shocking but just yesterday we recorded uh, in osaka 3600 new cases cases of covid which Oof. i believe is the high right now even higher than back when we had the olympics uh when we had about 3000 cases back in around August September so mm-hmm. yeah things are escalating quite quickly when 3 weeks ago we only had case new cases in the double digits in the low tens wow so that's a big jump in 3 weeks right so yeah and well not only that um usually uh in Japan uh if you're lucky your your neighborhood is they'll have some sort of festival that is appropriate to the neighborhood that you live in Mm -hmm. which is always a neat thing in japan there's always a little calling card that you have for the place that you live and there's always that time to celebrate at least once a year and so
1: when you're talking about these things are they like Usually rooted around like a local specialty or like a like a prominent fruit or vegetable that grows in that place, like what's
0: or a shrine or a tradition yeah, that's exactly what it is, so okay in, in this case, uh, I live in an area that is called Ebisucho, and Ebisu in this area is a merchant god, so there's mm-hmm. a shrine nearby where I live and there's a festival that happens usually in early January where people go to the shrine and they buy these little branches that have these little decorations on it. I'm not sure exactly what they signify, but you'll see people going to, uh, from this the shrine with holding these little branches. And it's always interesting to see. It's really cool. But, um, one thing that, uh, merchants like to do is when they visit the shrine they donate money to i guess appease the ibisu god so that they uh the the god will smile on upon them and give them good fortune for their business so it's crazy because sometimes you'll see uh business owners carrying these boxes of money just dumping them into the donation bins of the shrine and it's usually a real festive time, right? Nice, yeah. But unfortunately this year, uh, there, there used to be a lot of food stands and carnival game stands that lined up the streets for like almost a, a mile leading up to the shrines, right? Mm-hmm. But this year, none of those were on the streets because of covid because of the the current cases that are happening right now, so unfortunately the only thing open was the shrine, which was still a little busy, but not nearly as busy as it usually is. So it's a little bit of a downer. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully, well, uh, we can get back on track and. Yeah. Get get COVID on the be- rearview mirror as soon as possible. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, that would be great. I mean, obviously here, um. I think in the last week or so, they feel like case levels might have f- plateaued as far as like on the East Coast,
2: yeah, that's and true. a lot
1: of those big cities. But obviously, further west, like where I am, um, we've had some really alarming numbers in the last couple of weeks. So, trying to write it out, um, you know, as best we can, and obviously there's been a lot of news in the last couple of weeks about the Omicron variant of this pandemic sort of having being felt in a variety of ways across gaming. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it's like, you know, it's the story that we're all really sick of talking about, but, uh, but at the end of the day, like, you kind of have to because it's it's affecting everything in some way or another. Yeah, um, it's,
2: it's the
0: elephant in the room that we just can't ignore, but we do have to keep working on ways to get that elephant out of there. And it could be within our control, to be honest. Right? But we just got to do our due diligence and do the things that we need to do, like proper hand-washing, proper usage of wearing the mask properly not you know letting the nose hang outside of the the mask things like that and doing uh the social distancing when we can and try to avoid the big crowds and try to keep ourselves safe that's the only way out of it so yeah but yeah uh it's tough this is
1: the most jeff arnold moment we've ever faced (laughs) because it's really all about safety
0: it is it's all about safety dude. Dude, mm-hmm. all, all I want you guys to do is be able to come home safe uh-huh. and not worry about COVID ever again, dude. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Jeff. Yeah. But yeah. <sighs> Anyways, yeah, I was really tempted. I, I posited with you about putting COVID in our newly established Hertz Locker, a new uh, uh, feature in our podcast where we put things that we think deserve utmost hate into this Hertz locker but in this case with covid um i think we need it's to bigger than that yeah it's not something that we should have negative sentiments towards and we should work more towards constructive ways to as i mentioned before not only preventing it from spreading but just not having the negative uh attitudes that come with hey it's your fault, or you're not doing this. So, uh, fighting, vaccinated, unvaccinated. We all can do these precautions to keep uh, each other safe. And not only that, we gotta make sure that we are not overflowing our hospitals, overflooding our hospitals with people like right. You know, not because the thing negligence. is, I mean,
1: the way things are right now, like you could be. Doing everything you could with regard to the pandemic, or not even, like, say you weren't worried about COVID. I find that to be an irrational thing, but for many, that's a choice they're making. However, if you have something else happen to you, if you get in a car wreck, you have some sort of personal medical emergency, you could wind up not getting the help you want because the hospitals are full of people with COVID right now
0: exactly so you gotta gotta, think
1: about it gotta think about that shit and of course big shout out from both of us to all the healthcare professionals around the world that are have been doing their thing for almost two years now and uh
2: yeah listen
0: to them yeah you gotta listen to them because they study their whole lives for these types of situations for these types of illnesses and viruses and why would you question what they say about COVID when you don't question them when you you or your loved ones have cancer or some sort of debilitating disease. They're trying to save lives no matter what. And right. it shouldn't be a game. It shouldn't be something where you decide not to listen to them anymore because they're not saying things that you want to hear. I mean for sure. This is something that, like I said, we got to work together. We got to make sure that we're not putting more people, including ourselves, back in the hospital because of COVID. And we need to get this out the door. And the only way we can do it is through collaboration. Agreed. Yeah. So wear your mask, wash your hands, social distancing.
1: Get your shots, motherfuckers. Yep um so meanwhile in the world of gaming um it was announced recently that sony was going to manufacture more ps4s which elicited a range of responses um and it was one of those things where the depth of that analysis was somewhat lacking from a lot of gaming media sources because Sort of the obvious kind of knee jerk response to that was, oh, what the fuck? Why are they making more of these old systems? Why won't they focus on making more PS5s? And of course, the answer to that is, well, it's far cheaper to manufacture a boatload of PS4s and simpler in terms of like the size of the die. Yeah. And so I would imagine that from Sony's perspective they can still sell a lot of these systems and they've probably got the software sales numbers to support this decision. So mm. I don't know, like I again, I think this just goes back to this generation of consoles being so like it just happened too friggin' early. And I would argue that, you know, the output that we've seen in terms of like actual exclusives that are focused on like the high end of what these new systems are capable of kind of shows that because instead of, you know, a lot of games that are really pushing these new platforms to the most that they're capable of, you've got a lot of cross-platform releases that are just sort of they might look a little better on PS5 or Series X they might also support like 120 FPS which you know is a really beautiful thing in its own right but Mm. I don't know like this this generation of consoles is just unfolding in a really strange way and of course nobody could have predicted that you know these things were going to get sideswiped by a pandemic that, you know, is completely unprecedented in our lifetimes. But, you know, it was on for a while before these consoles landed, and I don't think it, in hindsight, it might not have been the worst thing in the world for them to have pushed them back, like, at least another year.
0: Yeah. I believe if we had a crystal ball and we knew that COVID-19 was coming yeah of course they would have easily pushed it back because now they're not be uh, able to make as much money as they want because of the chip shortages which I believe uh there was a twitter tweet that you showed me about the reason why ps4 and ps5 uh why it makes sense to sell more ps4s at this time because of the uh what is it the chip chip wafers that are available
1: yeah the the manufacturing process is much more complex for ps5 and essentially you can crank out a lot more ps4s in short order than you can ps5s given the relative complexity of that hardware still yeah with with the new system so i don't know like it just i think again it just sort of points to the idea of rushing these out at the tail end of 2020 was just kind of kind of iffy on behalf of all involved, but, but I don't know.
2: I think
0: for me, from what I've seen, from mm. what I read, there are two reasons why uh, Sony decided to, and Microsoft decided to push out their current gen systems right now and one of them was because sony when they brought brought out their vr system Mm -hmm. it seemed to be a little bit lacking compared to the other competitors right the from what i understand the screens inside the headsets were not as high resolution and it seemed kind of dated right But Mm -hmm. then we have this recent, uh, CES announcement for the VR two version of, for the PlayStation five, the new virtual reality system. And those specs are really nice. I mean, the resolution on the new screens are much, much higher, much Mm -hmm. more, uh, as what you would expect from a high definition system. Right. And then it has more features. And that wouldn't have been possible with the PS Four, but mm-hmm. with the PS Five, now it's more than doable. But of course, with that comes a, a bigger price tag. I be, I believe the latest o- Oculus uh, system come mm-hmm. it, it it comes in at three hundred bucks, but, but a lot of people are speculating that this new VR Two system for PlayStation Five is going to be f- at least five hundred bucks. Wow! So, but. That's coming back to a previous episode when you uh, mentioned the Mean Girls, which I still need to watch. VR is Sony's fetch. I don't know. I I I think so. I totally think so. They've been trying to push this for a a while, and I don't know if it's going to be mainstream because that. I mean, we could talk for another episode about this, but bottom line. I don't think uh, it's something that is as accessible because people get motion sickness. People still feel like it's not a really type of thing where it's in sync with exactly what you're doing. It's a little bit disorienting every time you use it, so it's not for everyone.
1: Right. No, I mean, it's definitely... It feels a little bit like... You know, remember the mid 2000s push for 3D with televisions? Yeah. And like, exactly. A lot of them had competing ways of doing it. Most of them revolved around some sort of LCD shutter glasses. And, you know, the thing about leisure time is that most people want that to be pretty leisurely. You know what I mean? Like, they just want to hang out in their favorite chair and fire up their movie or their favorite game or whatever and just kick it in front of a big screen. Yeah. so with the VR thing, like, obviously there's some there's some ways of creating games and ways of interacting with those games in VR that, are very different and unique and specific experiences. And the people that are really into VR, you know, they swear by those things and they enjoy the hell out of them. And I had seen some footage of some of the PS4 VR games that looked interesting to me, mm-hmm. but I was never really motivated to plunk down like that extra three hundred bucks for the headset you know, on top of what I'd already invested in the console.
2: There's
0: there's no killer app.
1: Right. I think that's the thing. And again, like, it's interesting how often it always goes back to, like, the thing that's really going to sell any given piece of hardware is the moment there's an experience on that machine that's so interesting and compelling, it makes you forget about what you've already been playing and you want to make an impulse buy because that's the only place you can do that specific experience. Yeah. And so I don't I don't know that that's ever going to happen on a wide enough scale for them to justify like that investment because so far it's really I don't know. Like I don't know if attempting to piggyback that onto A piece of hardware like PS5 is the route for it. I mean, Oculus, you know, besides the headache of having to log into your Facebook account every time you use it, um, in general, it's pretty well thought of, even though it's a little bit on the lower end graphics wise compared to like the high end of what you can do with VR on PCs writ large. But it's also completely contained. So, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see like, if PSVR 2 makes enough of a dent that eventually Microsoft goes, oh, we need to field some version of this, or if somebody else tries taking it a step further. Um, you know, Nintendo did kind of a sort of half-ass stab at it with the Lobo thing um mm. that nobody really i mean everybody sort of knew what what was going to happen with that the moment it dropped well, like, okay. oh yeah
0: it was a nice <laughs> idea but after two months you got a lot of cardboard lying around your house that you're not exactly. going to use anymore <laughs> right 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 yeah.
1: and you know there were some games that had like some kind of middling support for it but it wasn't like it's definitely not the same as like having that killer app, that one game that's built from the ground up for a thing that completely justifies the expense. Yeah.
0: I think until they go full VR and that's all they make is VR games, uh, Sony and their uh, third parties, it's Mm -hmm. never going to achieve that status where it feels like I got to get VR because it's going to change my life. No. um, Right. I mean, when, obviously, since I love Nintendo, um, I saw that in the 3DS where I loved the 3D effects, the stereoscopic 3D effects that the system had. And it was really neat to play a lot of those games that utilize those effects. But number one, not many companies wanted to use those 3D effects to the best of its capabilities. In fact, it felt like something that, The companies felt pressured to either add something to it, or they just completely disregarded it and said, "Oh, you know what? This is 2D only. (laughs) I mean, if you even if you turn on the 3D slider, it's not going to do anything. So, uh, there's just no real way to kind of make VR, should I say, a reality until." You make it mandatory. That's my opinion. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's what it would take. It would take like a completely self contained system or a system that only focuses on that and just has some sort of smoking thing out of the gate that immediately makes you go, oh my God, like this is great. I mean, I've had a few VR experiences. Like, there was a. I can't remember the name of the damn place, but it was like a warehouse sort of arcade joint in LA yeah. that had a setup and I forget which one it was. Um, But you know, I played a bunch of beat saber on it and that's a fun game. But at the same time, like I didn't come home afterwards and go, holy shit, I need beat saber in my house. You know what I mean? I was just like, exactly. Yeah, that's all right. You know, it is cool.
0: So if Sony was smart, maybe they would uh, put this in arcades or have places where you can play it in public places instead of having it. Oh, well, I don't know. I know it's tif- difficult to do in the United States, but in Japan, that's a different story. Right. So, uh, but yeah, uh, it's kind of weird, don't you think, that VR... And uh, the 3D, uh, 3DS uh, three stereoscopic, uh, stereoscopic effects didn't really take off. But yet the Wii with the motion controls and how right. many systems did they sell? Because everyone wanted Wii bowling. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy, I mean, right? again,
1: that's the thing, though. It's like it's...
0: It's a mix.
1: Well, it's the same thing when people are like, you know we talk about this in like marketing and social media circles all the time. Yeah. Whatever you create for people, you honestly, even like in my work, I've been tracking roughly the same audience now for almost five years. And it's still in a place where sometimes I have them perfectly dialed and I'll, create some piece of content for them that does exactly what I hope it'll do. And that's great. And then there's other times where like, I try something new and I've thought about it a lot and I've invested a lot of creative energy and I'm like, fuck yeah, this is going to kill when it posts and it does nothing. (laughs) And then other times, some other thing that I just kind of shittily threw together Because I thought it was funny or cute or interesting just on the slide, Completely blows up in a way that I couldn't have predicted. And that's just the nature of trying to serve these things to an audience. You just, you never know how something's going to land.
0: Lightning in a bottle. Yeah. That's all it is. You can never predict it, but once you get it, you ride that thing. Yeah. You ride it to the sunset yeah until you can't write it anymore
1: write it (laughs) write it yeah write it (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i mean yeah it i don't know like uh vr is going to be a weird thing that a lot of companies are going to continue to take a stab at and i don't know that it'll ever really get over in like a mass way
0: i don't think so either and yeah. like I said, it has to be completely accessible and it has to be something that's comfortable. I yep. mean, if it's not comfortable, like the 3D effects on the 3DS or the VR uh, right. headset, yeah. it being as bulky as it is, and I know it's getting smaller, but just having that and motion sickness, it's still a huge obstacle, but motion controls, anyone can do that. There you go. So Yep. Like I said, it's a mix of just accessi- uh, accessibility, uh, cost, and just what's going on with uh, what's popular.
1: Yeah, what, and, and whether or not it manages to conjure up that thing, that one experience where people just go, holy shit, I need to be able to play that or explore that or do that at any time in my house, yep. you know? Until then, but, just gotta, they're just still trying to chase the biscuit.
0: Exactly. So, I think that's one reason why the systems made an early jump. The second yeah. reason why I think they made a jump is because the Xbox One X, which, by the way, they also made news recently, just this week mm-hmm. for us, um, saying that they stopped production altogether for the Xbox One X. And from what I understand, it was because the system was not very good. Is that
2: true?
1: Well, here's... I don't want to say it wasn't very good. Um, if you trace this back to the E3 that was, where they announced the Xbox One, and I want to say that was in 2013,
2: Mm-hmm.
1: you know... They came out of the gate with some strange things. Um, It wasn't going to be backwardly compatible. It was going to require connection at all times, and it was going to ship with Connect in the box. And for a lot of people, the emphasis on those network elements and... The big thrust into, well, we want to be your ultimate set top TV watching box that really r- resonated through their E3 presentation. A lot of gamers, including myself, felt like, oh, well, they don't give a fuck about us anymore. Like they've established their presence and now they're going after all the normies that just use their consoles for Netflix.
0: Yeah. Um, it's like and a the, buffed up version of uh, what, like a Amazon Echo? Oh, what was it, Echo? Uh,
1: um, I think it's Firebox.
0: Yeah, or yeah, it's like a, where you have your big multimedia center. Right. It does everything, but doesn't do anything well. Yeah. Or,
1: and so they ate a lot of shit over that E3 presentation. And it was in the next year, year and a half that, like, They had a change of leadership and the new guys that came in were just like, all right, we need to be all about games, games, games once again. And so they pursued a lot of backward compatible updates and they tried to recover that audience. And I don't know that they necessarily necessarily pulled that off with the various iterations of Xbox one, Mm -hmm. but You know, it's interesting to see that sort of carry over into this generation because they've made more of an effort to this point to sort of establish themselves as like, oh, we care about your investment in this ecosystem. We want you to stick around. We want to support your old games. But I don't know, like... I really don't trust any of these larger companies, particularly on the realm of digital purchases, because it's difficult to support a lot of legacy hardware. Mm-hmm. And that's also why we've seen those rumblings from Sony about, you know, discontinuing the PS3 or the Vita store, et cetera. Ah, uh,
2: yeah. So... I mean-
0: I, I, I feel that at least Xbox they wanted to have that backwards compatibility with the current system where you can play everything up to the original Xbox. Am I correct? Whereas, um whereas it's Sony, not everything.
1: It's on a title by title basis. Yeah. But they've done a pretty good job at covering like I would say I would say it's charitable to say they probably covered most of the games that people care about yeah Um,
0: whereas sony uh you see them at every moment that are trying to bury their backlog of their back titles you know it's sad
1: well i mean it is it is good that the ps5 offers really robust support for ps4 games directly yeah um and i think i think from a consumer standpoint like that's really gotta kind of be like the bare ass minimum
2: well, like, yeah. Especially... If you have
1: somebody that has a big old library of titles and especially given how hard it is to roll out games in the first year of any platform like you should be all about that. You should be like hey, we're so glad that you bought the new kit. We hope you love it. It's going to make your old games look better and you know, it's going to sort of tide you over a little bit until you know, you really get the The tide of new games rolling in yeah but um i don't know like it's it's a strange time with all of that stuff and i don't i don't know anybody offhand that's just like head over heels in love with the new games i mean our guest on the very last episode uh mr hoptimus is probably among the the happier of users of the current gen of consoles that i know because you know he he he's all about that online gaming life and a lot of competitive fps games yeah. um but you know definitely the uh, calling
0: card of uh the current systems yep
1: yeah so who's to say who's to say how that's all gonna continue to work out because i think you know It's really sort of settled into a predictable groove where, like, you know, Sony and Microsoft are doing their usual thing at each other's throats, going at it from slightly different angles, and then...
0: Nintendo does its own thing.
1: (laughs) They just do (laughs) what the fuck they want to (laughs) do.
0: But I'm always uh, thinking, I mean, I am a Nintendo stan, I guess, but you always have to wonder when... Sony and Microsoft are going to start taking Nintendo a little bit more seriously because their user base is growing a lot more, especially in Japan. I mean, nowadays, uh, from what I understand in a recent report, the Nintendo Switch in Japan outsold all the other consoles all Mm -hmm. together last year. And that's amazing. Mm. So... You're going to have to take Nintendo a little bit more seriously and say, hey, uh, we got to do something about this kind of silent juggernaut.
1: Yeah. Well, now I think it's going to be really interesting to see what Nintendo actually does. I mean, you know, the media has played footsie with this idea of there being like a 4K Switch Pro. Yeah, way too long now, and that story is basically like Jason from Friday the 13th. Like, you can't fucking kill it. Like, you might stick a grenade in its face and bury it in the mud and watch <laughs> it explode, but then it still inevitably rises from the muck once again.
0: It's back! Uh-huh. And uh, I don't know if it's going to stop anytime soon, because uh with the COVID issues nowadays, it's not like even if they could make a new upgraded switch system, the parts may not be there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah it's, a,
1: it's a reality that all of the manufacturers have to juggle right now. I mean, even with a variety of things that aren't terribly advanced. I mean... Um,
0: the switch may get some shortage, uh, so- uh, shortages this year. Most definitely. Well, I know
1: yeah. that, you know, OLED switches were really hard to come by over the holidays. Yeah, They were a thing that, you know, if stocked, they would just sell out immediately, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see if and when they finally decide to reveal something else. Because we're getting on now.
0: It's, is, I think, It's year almost six,
1: five years old.
0: Five or six years, right? Yeah. And when I mean, did... It dropped uh, in, what,
1: March of 2017?
0: I think so. I believe. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So it'll be
1: five years, you know, month after next.
0: And they said this is, like, the middle of its life uh, cycle. So that means it could be a 10-year system, including, like, if they decided to kind of upgrade, like, how they did with the 3DS to the 3DS.
1: Right. uh, If there'll be a new nintendo switch at some point
0: compared to what like sony and microsoft's current systems compared to uh back in their uh previous system how long was that life cycle do you do you know Uh, oh
1: i don't know offhand i mean
0: it's got to be like six years right maybe i don't know
1: sony's have always been more on like the six to seven year life cycle i mean yeah PS3 dropped in 2006, and then it was seven years before the PS4 was unveiled. Yeah, um, which seems like kind of a minor miracle given how much that particular piece of hardware struggled. Um, I don't know. This is all. uh, This is all going some very strange places, and I mean, no one's had to deal with you know that which is taking place in the market right now between the pandemic and supply chain issues etc so yeah
0: definitely uncharted say. waters right now and hopefully those waters will calm down and we'll have yeah. smooth sailing hopefully in the next year or two but uh yeah i think it's going to continue this year to be honest yeah. these supply chain difficulties and we're gonna see uh, a lot of companies still having these issues with not being able to work at the office they'll probably still have to continue to work from home especially Mm -hmm. with the new outbreaks and we'll see what happens Uh, but you want to hope for the best for sure yeah but on top of what's going on with the system wars uh unfortunately there were some events that were also canceled due to covid Mm. one of those was the in-person e3 event which did not happen last year and it's not going to happen this year either it's probably going to be another online only event so you and i have experience uh going to many e3 shows back in the the was it early the 2000s? 2000s yep yeah and those are fun times yeah uh, it was a good show at the time but mm-hmm. what do you think is going to happen with e3 now that it's becoming an online event again do you think it's in danger of not being able to function as a event at all or well i think it be it's online on... only
1: I think it's on much shakier legs than ever before, and a big part of that is Nintendo essentially perfecting the art with their Nintendo Directs. I mean, yep. it's really wild how much of that audience tunes into those, looks forward to those, and then... Just showers the entire rest of the internet with memes and posts <laughs> and everything else with those things. I mean, bingo cards, really? Right. I mean, it's really kind of a masterclass in hype generation. Um, you know, and uh, thus far, like Microsoft and Sony, of course, pull. You know, they have their own versions of those events. I don't know that they're I don't know that they have the exact same sort of impact when they come out. Um, hm, I don't know. Like E3. It's such a creature of another time.
2: Yeah. You know, the
1: very big trade show. Um,
0: like uh, it was the CES that was more focused on just video games. And right. it was really an awesome idea, but times are changing. And mm-hmm. yeah, especially with COVID, you can't have that sort of showcase anymore.
1: Well, and it's just, it's, it's about whether or not that actually does the thing that the companies want it to do. And,
2: mm, you know, yeah
1: in in this day and age with the prevalence of online video and the ability for people to just download demos of things, When the companies choose to share them, you know, those are kind of the, those were kind of the biggest reasons for E3 to exist in the first place. So,
0: but now, uh, I mean, I don't, I
1: don't know if there's other functions of E3 that are important to those companies in terms of like, you know, having journalists experience those things. I mean, I'd imagine a lot of companies are just like, well you know, if we just send these journalists codes when our demo's available, like, we don't have to crowd them into a convention center somewhere and, you know, have them each play for an hour and then, you know, write a preview or a blurb based on that. So, I don't know. I mean, in, in my head, I can't really see why you would continue with those things, but, you know, there may be... Other reasons why some of these companies might be more looking to hang on to that than others? I don't know.
0: Well, I kind of agree with uh, what you said with the uh being able to just download a demo instead of uh, having to go overseas sometimes just to meet up at a place to play a game and write a review and uh but at the same time, Uh, with E3 it was nice it was a nice place to get everything into one event so that people can get interviews with these people all in one place and yeah it's a hectic time but they were able to not only get more information on hey here's what what's we're what we're doing nowadays but also before this whole fracturing of uh E3 and having uh, other companies decide uh, when to present their information. E3 was like all these things that are going, uh, going to happen in the new fu- near future. We're mm-hmm. announcing it at this one event, which is what I liked. It was kind of like something that you could focus a lot of your energy, your excited energy towards saying like oh god E3 is coming up hopefully they'll announce this or I can't wait to see what this company's doing nowadays things like that but after last year when it fractured and you had certain companies announce things that with certain different types of uh entities where they're saying oh we're gonna announce this with this group we're gonna announce Mm -hmm. this with this group it was like Okay, so Capcom, they're going to announce this with this group in June, but Square is going to announce this with this group in August. So it's kind of a... It was tough to follow the news, you know what I mean? At least with directs, Mm -hmm. like a Nintendo Direct or State of Play. It's like, bam, all this information in one day, and you get to Mm -hmm. talk about it. But right. it wasn't like, uh, you know, like an expected time. Right. E3 is an expected time. And I hope they do what they can to get that back. Because I think that's what this industry really needs. That sort of moment where things, even Nintendo, like Nintendo still participated in E3 even last year. When other companies like uh, main, you uh first party publishers like uh, sony and microsoft they decided to do their own thing and said screw e3 right Mm -hmm. they they had their separate things and then the third parties they were like oh what do we do i guess we'll join this group right no i think uh e3 we need something like that again Uh, i don't want to depend on the game awards to get my information <laughs> right. <laughs> because the Game Awards is just a glorified commercial and not only that, it's not nearly as it never will be as impactful as what E3 was. So, mm-hmm. As much as there's a lot of mixed feelings with E3, I still think we need that special day. Okay. Just, just to get that information, not Okay. Have it scattershot.
1: I can see that case for it yeah I don't know that I'm completely convinced, but you know at the same time, like well, there was an interesting aspect to like that sort of buzz of being in a place where you know Nintendo or Sony or whoever was just dropping something huge, and everybody around you was also as excited about it as you were, you know
0: that too there I is
1: something to that,
0: yeah. I mean, before COVID, that was the best thing. Meet new people, meet old friends, play games together, try out stuff together, and be excited for the future. So hopefully that'll come back, but we don't know for sure what's going to happen because it's kind of on the brink, you know what I mean? Right. So let's hope for better things in the future.
1: Should we uh, give that shout out to our wonderful network?
0: Yes. So we're going to take a short commercial break. Uh, we're going to feature one of our uh, sister podcasts from the Ruminations Radio Network. If you're interested in hearing this uh, podcast or many more podcasts like it, please visit our Radio Network web- website at ruminationsradionetwork.com. We'll be right back. What's up, gang? This is Hoptimus. You've been listening to one of the great new podcasts from Ruminations Radio Network. If you want some more
1: tasty sound vibes, come check out my new podcast, The Retro Futurist Culture, where we talk about alternate timelines, cyberpunk, anime, and other crazy worlds. If that does not strike your fancy, we have plenty of other great shows at RuminationsRadioNetwork.com.
2: All right, we are back. Woo! all
0: right so (laughs) i think it's time to mention now playing yeah so what are you loading up on your system james
1: so um i continue to dwell in the realm of unfinished business um however right now it's uh taking on a a little bit of vampire killing oh yeah i have been playing uh dracula x rondo of blood um for the pc engine super cd on my uh mr fpga unit and uh nice it's a delight
0: it's classic man beautiful yeah. soundtrack classic uh vampire slaying uh yep just uh before the metrovanias right yep so yeah nice it's... platforming and still got that
1: between that and uh whatchamacallit Mm-hmm. bloodlines like those are the last two traditional castlevania outings and uh yeah it's a damn good time
2: yeah
0: so <laughs> how are you playing that with what kind of controller i'm curious because uh, i don't have a mister so i don't know what kind of setup you have to play the game okay so are you playing with a pad or a stick <laughs> or What do you what you got on your hands?
1: I was fortunate enough to there's like just this wonderful little cottage industry of like different you know creative folk that are building a variety of devices that are supported by the Mister, and so I have a adapter that allows me to connect to the Mister via USB. And use either a real NES, Super NES, or Genesis pad. Yeah. So I'm playing Dracula X, actually, with a Super Famicom controller. Hmm. And it feels perfect.
0: Do you <laughs> Do you have to remap those buttons to what you like? Are you able to do that?
1: Yes, you are. You can map it however you want it.
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's... Um, i don't know man like i find more and more old shit just sort of you know burrowing its way into my brain and insisting that i finish them right now and it's not like i don't issue modern releases entirely but Mm -hmm. um i'm probably not going to be fired up about another modern release until kof 15
0: yeah same here I, uh <laughs> that's the only modern game that is not a real retro remake that i'm looking forward to so mm-hmm. yeah i i totally know what, how you feel but yeah yeah in the meantime let's burrow back into those retro games yeah
1: <laughs> for sure
0: yeah anything else that you're
1: playing um me and my lady have been playing a lot of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe for Switch.
2: Ooh, and um, interesting.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's uh I don't know, Mario Kart games are just kind of like it's the thing that I know most other people, even filthy casuals will still play. You know what I mean? Like I would love to know what the attach rate is for like copies of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and Switch hardware because I'm willing to bet that it's probably one of the best-selling titles.
0: Easily top three. I think it would uh, be that, Smash, and maybe Animal Crossing. But even Animal Crossing wouldn't hold a candle to Mario Kart 8 Deluxe because it's been out longer. But yeah. I would say at least seventy percent of the people out there would have a Mario Kart eight deluxe if you have a
2: Switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah, a
1: lot of times my lady and I'll just fire it up and play like three or four circuit races in a row. And um it's just it's just a stupidly fun game. And it's obviously like it's the closest I can get to any sort of actual F Zero sequel, you know, playing the
0: Well, yeah, they uh, have
1: Big Blue and the other track that are on there from F-Zero.
0: And they have the, what, uh, anti-grav tracks? Right. you're sticking onto the track while you're riding with the uh, new features. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I need to give Mario Kart 8 Deluxe a proper play because ever since the original Super Mario Kart, Mm-hmm. I there's one thing I don't like about the Mario Kart series, and you know where I'm getting to right now. And that's
1: I know exactly where you're going with this. The blue shell,
0: yep. yeah, the equalizer, which I don't think is necessary. I mean, if you're beating yeah. someone's ass, you're beating someone's ass. You don't need an equalizer. It right. makes it a little bit less fun, in my opinion. But that's just me. But I need to get over that. I need to say, hey it's there live with it and just play it again <laughs> and have fun because yeah, it's a great, it's a great looking series. It's, yeah, it's very nice. It has a, a mixture of Nintendo characters and the nostalgia there and it looks great, plays great. I need mm-hmm. to give another chance. So maybe yeah. uh, pretty soon you'll be hearing me saying that now playing, I'm playing Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. <laughs> it's
1: worthwhile. I don't know, like, it's interesting to me that, like, essentially this iteration of this game has been in circulation now for almost a decade between its Wii U, the original release of it on the Wii U, and then the quote-unquote deluxe version of it landing on the Switch.
0: Yeah, I think 2014, right?
1: Yep. Oh, my God. Er... Was it earlier than that? I don't know. I think the Wii U dropped in either 2012 or 2013.
0: I yeah. mean
1: You know, for the 11 people that bought it, <laughs> it was a great time. <laughs> myself included. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> right. But, you know, obviously Nintendo's done very well at like harvesting the really good titles for it and bringing them out on the Switch, which is only right because so many of those games were actually quite excellent and... I think a lot of switch owners have found joy from those titles. Well,
0: so, there's recent buzz that Mario Kart 9 may be released soon, <laughs> maybe this year.
1: See, that, now this is, is going to get use. me this is going to get me salty as fuck because yeah. We've long heard that the big excuse for them not doing a new F0 is, "Oh, we don't know what idea would motivate the you know, there would need to be a new idea that motivates the existence of a new F-Zero. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, well, yeah, because every new fucking idea you have for a racing game, you just plow into the next Mario Kart and keep going on.
0: Exactly. Don't tell me <laughs> that you, Nintendo of all companies, that uh, ooze creativity every time you bring out a game cannot make a new original thing for F-Zero. I'm sorry. right? I don't believe it. Yeah. You are full of bullshit. ladies. It's
1: bullshit, dude.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Jeff Arnold. <laughs> right.
1: Horseshit, dude.
0: <laughs> we need to get him on the show someday. <laughs> Maybe, I don't Sebastian, know.
1: Sebastian, <laughs> I know you're listening to this because you've listened to all the episodes thus far. Yeah. And you've given me delightful notes. And you need to come on this fucking show okay him
2: too yes
1: yep.
0: you need to have him on the show he's one of our lifetime buddies and yeah it'd be a yep. joy to talk with them again
1: yep we yeah. both miss you dude yeah so Hope get on doing well yep
2: ah,
1: so what are you playing right now ed for me uh well
0: i got snk versus capcom card fighters clash recently that came out just this week, but I haven't had time to play it yet because it was busy this week, uh, my work schedule. I'm looking forward to playing that uh, in the next couple of weeks and hopefully finally finishing it. I used to have it on my old Neo Geo Pocket Color. It's a great game. I highly recommend it. Um, it's addictive. Uh, if you've never played a card battle game, This could be your training wheels because not only is it a great game, it's really fun and it's really addictive. So that on top of the fact that both SNK and Capcom versions are included for the same low price as a normal Neo Geo pocket game that usually comes out on the eShop. It's only uh, in in Japan, it's 800 yen. So I would imagine it's like eight bucks in the US. Yeah. It's a gonga, man. It's a steal. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's what I will be playing. But what I'm playing right now is uh, Pac-Man 99. I'm back on that crack, man. The Pac-crack. Nice. Because um, that's awesome. the last episode when we talked with Optimus and we talked about our game of the year, mm-hmm. it was no question uh, when this game came out in about March of last year, It was such a delight. I was so surprised because it came out of left field. Nobody knew this game was coming out. And then when it came out, it was like, wow, you're telling me that you're passing on Super Mario 35, which eh, I played. It was okay, to something that, you know, is one of my favorite. Games of all time in the vein of Tetris 99, which is super popular right now. Hell yeah, dude, I'm. I'm happy as a pig in mud, man. And, uh, back then, uh, it was still really fun to play, but, um, there was some strategies that some people employed where they would purposely not go through the mazes very quickly. They would turtle up because Mm -hmm. the game, uh, if you haven't played Pac-Man 99 yet, um, Basically, as you go through each board, if you completely clear the board with all the dots, eat up all the dots, then you can go up one rank in speed, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if you dilly-dally too much, uh, there are things called pack jammers, which are things that are outlined pac and mm-hmm. they chase you around, and there are two types. One, which is the white pack jammer, they slow you down, so you can imagine uh, if uh, opponents eat more ghosts and send them your way, there'll be all there'll be all these white pack jammers that'll slow you down and keep you from moving the way you want. So they can be a hindrance in later levels. And then the red pack jammers, they come out too. They're not as uh, bountiful as the white pack jammers but if you touch them you immediately die just like a ghost so the only way to get rid of those is to eat the fruit in the middle of the stage to clear all the red jammers and the white jammers you clear out by eating a power pellet right Mm
2: -hmm.
0: so basically people's strategies early on were just to turtle as much as possible to have everyone else die off yeah, And then when it got to like maybe 40 people left, then they would clear board one and then they wouldn't be punished very much because number one, uh, in this game, if you build up speed too much by clearing boards too quickly, then you're going to be out of control and you can't control Pac-Man and also the enemies get faster. But if you are still on the early boards, the the ghosts are still really slow, as well as the pack jammers, and the and yeah, it totally uh, it helped out the turtle turtle players. But now, when uh, they had an update uh, late fall last year, where okay. they sped up the pack jammers, no matter what level you're on, and they gave you incentive where you get a free boost up every two levels, I believe. So after two boards, even if you don't clear the level. You can still speed up, but at the same time, uh, it upped the uh, strategy because there are modes you can choose just like Tetris 99, where you can choose uh, whether you want to uh, have a train where every time you eat the little white ghosts that are lining the sides of the maze, there's little white (laughs) ghosts that if you eat them, they make a train on one ghost. So you can make a huge combo, right? Selecting the train option doubles the amount of ghosts that you can add to a train. So you can have many more ghosts go to another person's board, right? If you eat them all at once. So uh, there's another option called Stronger, where if you use this after you eat a power pellet, uh, you send many, many more ghosts as you eat them within the time allowed, but you only have three seconds for the uh, Energizer, the Power Pellet Energizer effect to work. So you don't have as much time to eat the ghosts, but if you send them, you send a lot more, right? But you also lose one, one level of speed, which nobody wanted to do. But now with the free upgrades, each two boards, because you're going so fast, now it's a strategic move to use that stronger option. So okay. people who go faster are rewarded because they can use that stronger option to really throw a monkey wrench on other people's boards. So yeah, it's become more of an offensive game, which I like. I'm, I love offense. I don't right. like to turtle up. So
1: No, I mean, that's, that's just how you play fighting games as well. So that makes all the sense in the world
0: yeah so now games are shorter, but they're much more competitive, much more fun. You don't see ten minute games anymore. You see a lot of five minute games or less, and it's great. I highly awesome. recommend if you have a switch, get a uh, nintendo switch online the the basic one <laughs> not mm-hmm. not maybe not the one with the nintendo sixty four and Genesis games just yet, unless you really like them, but the basic uh online service will be 20 bucks and you'll be able to play uh pac-man 99 for free so awesome if you have that service so yeah playing that and get this uh wind jammers 2 coming out Uh, by the time you hear this it's out switch nice uh ps4 i don't know if it's gonna be out on xbox but it'll be on steam for sure but yeah right looking forward to that game too so yeah, that's what I'm playing. Excellent. Yeah. I'm All glad right. that's
1: treating you well, sir.
0: Yeah, life is good. Uh, being a retro gamer, uh, a lot of yeah. good things coming down the pipe, especially uh, Pocky and Rocky Restrined. That finally yeah. has a date. I believe good. it's uh, in Japan, April 21st. Nice. And spring for the rest of the world. So if you love Pocky and Rocky on SNES, yeah, this game's going to be awesome.
1: I have physical copies of both um yeah. Oh uh, god. Why do I want to call it? Okay, Wild Guns Reloaded. Me too. And I have that. And then the Ninja Warriors again? Yeah. Again.
0: It, again? It's called the <laughs> it, in outside of Japan it's called the Ninja Saviors because right, of that
1: because of copyright.
0: That stupid Ninja Warrior game or Ninja Ninja Warrior uh what is it the it, it's supposed to be like TV show, yeah. It's supposed to be like in Japan the Sasuke TV right. show, where it's like that obstacle course that is kind of like a this generation's version of American gladiators, gladiators. But yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah. Ever since that show named itself Ninja Warrior, I I detest that show. Boo, boo, <laughs> boo. disrespectful. But yeah, but yeah. <laughs> um, I know it totally is but yeah. in japan uh we never got a physical release for wild guns reloaded or ninja warriors once again but oh in japan they already announced that there is going to be a physical version of kiki kaikai Kai, which is Pocky and rocky this new version nice so i'm getting that day one i already reserved it on amazon yeah, yeah nice yeah. so look forward to that
1: for sure yep
0: all right oh so i think now it's time to mosey on to the big question word so uh james you brought up this really nice question and i think uh definitely our audience have uh, different opinions and i yeah. think it's a good discussion so uh yeah this big question for today to you mm-hmm. what is the most important video game release and
1: why Let's you know start with you. I mean as far as like the timeline of my life and you know what games meant to me at specific points you know specific points in my life like there was really no more like life changing event than the release of Street Fighter 2
0: yeah, that would have been my choice. Wasn't. I that would have been my choice, but I knew you're going to choose that. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to think of a backup. So
2: anyways, I mean, continue. <laughs>
1: I it just like, you know, it pretty much defined like the next 10 to 15 years of my existence. I mean, it was always about like, oh, when are we playing this or when are we going somewhere else to play this? I mean, or all the, you know, the five iterations of that specific game that followed in the three years after that, um, to everything else that came out fighting games wise. I mean, yeah, uh, it's just this giant, giant milestone. And I mean, I've loved a lot of other games and I know that there's plenty of other games that have sort of come out and you know permanently enshrined a genre whether it's Super Mario Brothers or Doom or you know name any other game that's sort of like the anchor of a of a genre but SF2 man uh yeah there's there's nothing that just you know, just the words, just suggesting that to me, just puts me in a whole nother place that taps into just this ocean of wonderful memories and people that I've met and many of my friends, such as yourself, that yes. are still, you know, absolute, you know, cornerstones of my existence. So, yeah, it just it doesn't it doesn't get more important for me than SF2.
0: Do you remember how we strengthened our relationship, our friendship? Uh I can tell you I remember I got my first modded Saturn from you because uh-huh. I wanted to play Vampire Hunter, which is yeah. a spin-off of Street Fighter. And yep. before then I didn't know you too well, but Mm-hmm. After I talked with you about, hey, uh, do you know where I can get a modded Saturn? Because uh I love I I love the what Vampire Hunter looks like. I mm-hmm. wanna play that game, this Capcom game. I'm a big Capcom fan, and that's when we started talking a lot more than just, you know, mm-hmm. meeting up at the at the store that you worked at. Mm-hmm. Then we became hey, yeah, we got this in common. Hey, what what else do you like? Things like that. So yeah, I definitely owe a lot to Street Fighter as well. Um, uh, Man, I really wish I could have been a, a part of that uh roundtable discussion that you had on your older podcast, Ruminations of a Six-Button Samurai. Which, right. by the way, if you haven't listened already, t- check him out on the ruminationsradionetwork.com. You'll find it in... The archives but yeah it's a great episode um yeah i wish i could have been there too because i i have a lot that i wanted to share with you guys about growing up with street fighter as well like i grew i had a pizza place that had the original street fighter with the six Mm -hmm. buttons and i played it almost every day and i remember it took me several months to finally beat Sagat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And when I finally did it, it took me several quarters, like quite a bit of quarters. (laughs) Uh, The guy who owned the pizza place, he's like, oh my God, you actually beat him? I've never seen anyone (laughs) beat him before. (laughs) It's so awesome. Nice. Nice. Yeah, that's how I started Street Fighter. I actually played them all in chronological order. So, yeah. Yeah,
1: that, uh, oh. Beating that game was fucking obnoxious.
0: It was. But <laughs> it, as jank as it was, it was mm-hmm. still for me pretty fun because of the fact that it's one-on-one fighting. I mean, Year Kung Fu, I believe you mentioned that in the episode with the, the round table table discussion. I loved that game and karate champ, eh, it was okay, but Street Fighter 2, uh Street Fighter 1, I, I mean the controls weren't as great as Mm -hmm. number two, obviously, but it still had some mystique to it. Like, Oh my God, I can throw a fireball. How did I do that? So I just keep rotating the stick and pressing buttons until stuff comes out. Mm -hmm. And then, Oh my God, I did a dragon punch. How do I do that? So yeah, just that amazement, that mystique is by
1: the way, weird, weird, weird sidebar here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to throw a shout out to game that you and I, I know we both loved the pieces, yeah, almost as much as SF2, and that would of course be Samurai Showdown 2.
2: <laughs> yeah. And one
1: thing that I forgot it does that <clears throat> is such a smart design decision to me that I'm d- I'm sad we didn't see it more. Is that when you're playing the CPU mm-hmm. and the CPU does like special moves. It actually gives the little command for it.
2: Yeah, I below the cool. power
1: bar, and I don't know why more fighting games haven't done that. Like that's that's just fucking smart, man. I it mean, is. to it was- see the idea of like learning other characters while you're in what we would now refer to as campaign mode, yeah, or single player mode, or story mode, or arcade mode, or whatever. Like, damn it. Why doesn't that happen more? And that's just because I was firing up Samurai Showdown two earlier to like play around with the Neo Geo core on the Mister, and of course it looks fucking beautiful. But um, yeah, like bring that bring that feature back, fighting game makers.
0: Yeah, like. that'd be nice. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think uh, if we think about it deeply. If it mm-hmm. wasn't for Capcom, it, there wouldn't be an SNK most likely, because, I mean, the guys that made Street Fighter, some of them defected to SNK, right? Right. And they made those games. They made Samurai Showdown. They made King of Fighters.
1: That's King tough though, Fury. because you yourself might actually disagree with certain aspects of that, because you mm-hmm. were long a fan. Of the twisty stick shooters.
0: Yeah, I, I was. Such as I Warriors, was.
1: Time Soldiers. Yes, sir. So SNK was definitely on the map for you, even before the Neo Geo.
0: But they didn't have... B- before the Neo Geo fighting games, there was Street Smart and <laughs> Karate Man.
1: Right. <laughs> no, it was definitely, you know... Because um, the thing was, like and this is a story that I told on that episode of ruminations of a six button samurai. And I'll just, I'll give you the short version here. Like I played the original street fighter and I was just like, eh, like it's all right. It's got some cool characters. The graphics are nice. I mean, just about every Capcom game was a looker in that era. Like they all tended to look better than most other companies games at the arcade. But it was a shell of what it would become and I can very much remember looking in EGM and seeing a preview for Street Fighter 2 and just being like oh, that's kind of neat. Surprise, they are doing a sequel to that. I didn't think it was the most popular game around but I had no idea when looking at that little bit of a preview in EGM that this would be a game that would completely take over my life. Oh yeah. It it, it's
0: <laughs> same with me. I mean, as much yeah. as I liked the original Street Fighter, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't read uh, the parts in EGM where Street Fighter 2 was coming out. So when I saw it in the arcades, it was just that. I I had no forewarning that this was gonna mm-hmm. come. And when I saw right. it in the arcades and people I mean, I was young and short at the time, so it was hard to see through all those trees of people that were around the cabinet, but the stuff I could see, I was like, oh my God, this is something I need to play. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm glad that both you and I lived that experience because nowadays with arcades being a thing of the past, yeah, those, those days were special. Mm-hmm. Being lined up in front of an arcade cabinet playing a game that was that became a superstar hit and totally and it stemmed uh, to uh, I, I branched out to a lot of things like nowadays we have fighting game tournaments now we have esports now fighting games are as popular as any sort of online tournaments or any sort of competitive game that you see out there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it definitely carved its name in history, and it's something that I hope it will continue. Hopefully, uh, well, Street Fighter is celebrating its 35th anniversary this year, and August uh, is going to be the anniversary of the original Street Fighter. Mm. So, hopefully we'll get some stuff soon. I mean, Hopefully they'll have a Street Fighter 4 collection. That would be nice for current gen systems because Street Fighter 4, I really liked. and Yeah. Yeah, it'd be nice to have on the Switch or PS5 or Xbox Series. Yeah, it's,
1: it's, it's kind of interesting by way of its absence, right? Yeah, exactly. That, that isn't one that they've chosen to mine again, but who knows? I mean, that would be it seems like a very Capcom thing to do in terms of like trying to drum up interest for the new one. Yeah. You know, that they would create that sort of, you know, narrative arc to, Hey, here's a legacy release. And Oh, because there's a new one coming out kind of thing.
0: That's why I'm hoping that that will be part of the plans to kind of build up to that six, uh, street fighter six game, you know, Hey, we got all this lined up. I mean, in Japan, uh, there's uh, exhibitions that are going to be held in Shibuya near Tokyo, in Tokyo, I should say. And in, uh, mm-hmm. I believe uh, in the south part of Japan, there's going to be museums, Street Fighter museums, where you can see all the uh, documents and early illustrations on the stuff they did to build up Street Fighter. And Street That's Fighter cool. too, so I'm really tempted to go. Uh, next month is when it starts in Tokyo, and no, you should. yeah, I know, I know. Uh, well, if you it, it to give you an idea, going from Osaka to Tokyo is about 300 bucks bullet train round trip, right? Right. And with the pandemic, it's kind of uh, I don't know if it's something I want to do, but oh uh, yeah. If it's a, I mean, they already had this uh, exhibition in Fukuoka last year, which Mm -hmm. I couldn't go to because it was during the pandemic as well. And it wasn't real safe to go out. So. Right. But uh, I don't know. I I really want to see this. I I really hope they bring it to the Osaka area, the Kansai area, which, you know, Kyoto and Kobe and Osaka. They're very nearby. Uh, these exhibitions are nowhere near that area, so I hope it comes to the Kansai area near Osaka very soon. They haven't announced
1: right. it yet, though. So, but, Hopefully.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: But, so what about you? What's the most important game ever released, Ed?
0: Mm, I had to think I mean, really yeah. deep about this because there are quite a few games that I owe a lot of my life to. Uh, If it wasn't for these certain games, I probably wouldn't have been into (laughs) games in the first place. And in terms of history with video game history, yeah, if it weren't for these games, there are too many games that made a huge impact in our not only our hobbies, but in society, right? But Mm -hmm. I have to say, for me it would be Donkey Kong. Okay. And Donkey Kong There are several reasons why. Number one, it's the start of Nintendo because Mm -hmm. you think about it, uh, Nintendo, they had, uh, from what I understand, 2,000 cabinets of an old game called Radar Scope, and they needed to get rid of these cabinets or refurbish them into something new, right? right? So they decided, hey, why not make a new game? and then shigeru miyamoto he was like hey i got an idea he made donkey kong that was the start of his legacy and right. that was the start of nintendo being becoming more of a hot ticket item as a company and then before you know it uh i mean that was a little bit before the video game crash right so mm-hmm. Back then, there were a lot of games that were trying to push out all these titles, as many titles as they could, but the quality wasn't there. Nor right. was the hardware capable of pushing quality. So then mm-hmm. when you had uh, Nintendo come out with the Nintendo Entertainment System and them saying, hey, we got a version of Donkey Kong 2, like the Atari 2600 and 7800 and um I I don't know Apple, Amiga, all these other computers that had this game, but ours looks pretty damn close to to the uh, arcade, and yeah, it was definitely very very close, and it probably uh, moved quite a few systems back in the day. But um,
1: no, I mean it was definitely the first time that I was like, oh. What's Nintendo? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, because Same here. I hadn't played anything else by them. Yeah, and it was such, it was such a distinctive game. I mean, it. I mean, first of all, it was balls hard,
2: and it was. I was
1: not, I was not very good at it. Yeah, um, but it had such a unique sense of character. And it also sounded, like, you could tell a Donkey Kong machine, like, from across the arcade, because usually, like, it was cranked as most games were cranked in that in that day and age, but the sounds from it were just so s- distinct. Like, yeah. it didn't have, like, a sort of, like... I remember in that time, like a lot of arcade games had like what was functionally like Muzak, you know what I mean? Like they just Muzak. had like some, oh. yeah. You, you think about like, you know, like think about like Pango, like oh, Pango's and, a Pango a game yeah. from a very similar era and I love Pango. It's a good, it's a fun game, but like that music is not the most distinctive thing you ever heard. You know what I mean? Well, Same it with was a riff
0: from a uh, existing song, right?
1: Right, and that yeah. that typically is what most game developers did in that time. But like, I don't know. It just it had such like specific cues. It sort of told a story <laughs> in a way. So it had all these weird little things that sort of set it apart. Besides just being like very visually distinctive with like the girders and the rivets set against that black background. Like a lot of games had black backgrounds in that time, but that game was just so much more interesting than a lot of other games in that moment. And it really is like the great granddaddy of all platformers.
0: Well, for me, definitely i was attracted to it because like you said not only the graphics but the cool sounds like the i i don't know how to pronounce it ziggurat right ziggurats that bounce around in that uh stage where there's a lot of vertical climbing Man, oh the little that, like
1: springs
0: yeah where it would be would it would it would it right would it would it that was yeah. like a song in itself. I mean, they didn't play they didn't play this any songs. It was just that noise over and over again. But right. that was a cool thing to hear. Uh, and you knew exactly what stage and what game that was from every time you heard it. Anywhere you were in the arcade, you're like, Yeah, that's that's the stage. And uh also uh another cool thing was uh the rare to see uh conveyor belt stage with the uh what we call the tub pies with the uh, cement pie, right? Uh, the
1: cement factory,
0: the cement factory pies, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was not on the NES uh version, sadly enough, but uh, they did rectify that in the 3DS, I believe. They released a version that had an addition with the pie factory stage, which was cool. Mm-hmm. I still have it, I think, but yeah, that was cool to see, and just in general, it. It had a story. It had a really good story, like a story you can relate to, kind of, <laughs> if you know a lot of big apes that steal your girlfriend. But I mean, it was right. King Kong, <laughs> mm-hmm. basically King Kong in video game form, which, right? interesting enough, I mean this right they also... did endure
1: they did endure a lawsuit from a long time yes, or over a period of a long time from Universal Studios,
0: which is ironic, right? because now mm-hmm. they're in bed together and they have uh super Nintendo worlds coming out all over the world right, <laughs> yeah, it's so funny, and also mm-hmm. um if it wasn't for uh this lawsuit, we would never have the name Kirby enter. The Nintendo world because John Kirby was the name of the lawyer that defended Nintendo against Universal Studios, and when they won the lawsuit, they named their next video game character after John Kirby. Wow! Did you know that?
1: I did not know that story. That's pretty great.
0: Yeah. So that if it wasn't for that, there'd be no Kirby, right? Well, it'd be a different name. It'd probably be uh, you know Sheldon or something. Pinky, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's not cool, man. Kirby's a cool right. So, yep. But yeah, but most of all, just in general, Donkey Kong was one of the first games I remember growing up. It was that and Vanguard. Oddly enough, Vanguard because it was loud, it had the synthesized voice, but Donkey Kong was the one I played a lot more, and I have fond memories of it. It spawned. Not only so many good titles from the Mario franchise, but it built up Nintendo to what it is now, and that rich history wouldn't have been available if Donkey Kong did not exist. And who knows what would have happened to video games in general without Donkey Kong? It's true. Yeah. So I know it's very the easy, yeah. I know it's the easy thing to say, oh, Donkey Kong, but to me, besides yeah. Street Fighter, that was pretty impactful.
1: So, yep yeah my choice i agree good sir yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right well ed this was a damn good time once again my friend
0: it was great always talking with you having this show man we're we're gonna get to double digits soon <laughs> i know yeah it's gonna be It'll good be
1: Excellent. hopefully yep. we'll
0: be around for years to come
1: but yeah we'll uh we'll keep doing it
0: yeah but yeah. uh if you like our show Definitely keep uh, listening to us. Hopefully you can subscribe to us uh, on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever uh, vehicle you decide to listen to our podcasts. And we got a lot of other good podcasts on ruminationsradionetwork.com. Definitely check that out. We hope you keep coming back. Until next time, I am... Game Agent ET. Oh, you can uh, reach me on Twitter and Instagram on GameagentET. And Six Button Sam
1: You can find me at Super Bario on Instagram or you can follow the Oh God it Hurts account on Instagram at ohgodithz.
0: We also have a Twitter for that as well. So I yep. handle the Twitter Twitter part. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Later on.
2: Peace.